Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 33rd official episode. This is kind of round two of the NBA Playoffs Part 2 edition because we're recording a week later now on May 5th. Mm-hmm. And let's start off talking about, first, before we get into the playoffs, just a little news around the league, talking about there have been two coaching changes before we get into the playoffs. Obviously for the non-playoff teams. Yeah. Well, yeah. But first is Monty Williams assistant coach of the 76ers. Now he just inked a five-year contract with the Phoenix Suns. And then second, we'll talk about Tyron Lue. It looks like he's set to be the new Lakers head coach. First, talking about Monty Williams and the Suns, I was thrown off about this because I know Monty Williams is a good coach. I think he, he was very successful in the G League and as an assistant. Five-year contract, though, that's, that's pretty kind of out there. And personally, if I'm the Suns, I would not want to give Monty Williams a five-year contract. For Monty Williams, huge win. He's been the coach of successful uh, assistant to a successful team. But this contract, like, he's going to be a prominent head coach in the league, talking about taking over one of, like, the most promising young teams, I guess, it, just yeah. talent-wise. That's a big job. And if I'm the Suns, I kind of want to make sure I get my guy before I give him five years with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Because if they don't clash, like, I know you were saying, like, like what's the harm, right? I mean, no, I, I just think I, I kind of don't get why he has never had a head coaching job before in the NBA. He has in the G League. But he's never had a head coaching job in the NBA, as, as far as I know. So if he's not proven, or if he's proven only in the assistant coaching job, then maybe you offer him a one- or two-year job deal to figure something out and just see if it works, see if it works, see if your guys like him. But if he's not really proven like that, it's a little bit strange for you to offer me a five, a a five-year contract. Well, we've seen like, we've seen a lot of people come from assistant coaching jobs. For sure. I mean, pretty much every head coach ever has like been an assistant coach and worked their way out through the ranks. But But I'm saying even like signed away from other teams. Yeah. Yeah. And even signing away from other teams. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going out and signing the 76ers head coach because I'm sure that Monty Williams... Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Is signing him to be your head coach from the assistant coaching position on the 76ers. But the thing is, if he's never had that head coaching job, I don't understand why you sign him to a five-year contract. As a head on coach. the Suns, I'm not signing anyone's here to a five-year. Yeah, contract. that that's that too. But especially a guy who's never been a head coach of an NBA franchise. Just because, like, it it's tough to have a head coach for like a really, really, really bad team. You see. Igor Kokoshkov or something like that was that was their coach this year just he never got a chance like hopefully yeah hopefully he'll get another job in the NBA but he, he never had a chance just the season was bad and it was maybe his fault maybe it wasn't but just with young teams sometimes you blame the coach and for the next five years they can't really blame the head coach because if they do want to fire Monty Williams that really like I don't know the exact numbers behind it but I know that that takes away from the excess money that you can spend on things like coaching and staff. Yeah, and you like, only have so, so much money you can spend on yeah. that, on those fields. But I, I, I kind of don't get why you give Igor Kos, uh, Koskov, is that how, uh, yeah, 
you give him like one year of being in the lottery and a team that's not really ready to compete just because Devin Booker says we're not a lottery team anymore, we're ready to make the playoffs. Like, they were not ready to compete in the playoffs. They're not ready to make it out of the lottery yet. Of course they're going to have an offseason. And it's a little bit strange, going back to the five-year thing, like why do you give him a year and you're giving Monty Williams five years? I mean, maybe you just have more confidence in Monty Williams. Maybe there's something that we don't know about Monty Williams. Like, who knows? But a little bit strange to me. Yeah. Okay, going on to Tyron Lee with the Lakers. Okay, first of all, we have to address the elephant in the room. LeBron runs every team that he goes to. It's so funny. Like, like come on. He hired Tyron Lue as the head coach of the Lakers. Basically. Can we all agree on that? Yeah, and, and I don't even think it's so much because he thinks that Tyron Lue is a fantastic coach as much as he's had Tyron Lue bros. before. Tyron Lue knows exactly how it's going to work. And, like, and LeBron just wants out. him. That's, yeah. that's so funny. He, and He's really led GM. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's, yeah. He, Okay, but uh, like aside from all of that, like talking about Tyron Lue as a head coach, I personally very much like this head coaching, like hire uh-huh. because even though like fundamentally, I think Tyron Lue is maybe an average coach. I think he gets a lot of criticism that he doesn't deserve, especially with like the, those bad Cleveland teams these past two years, mm-hmm. saying that he doesn't coach. When in reality, he just two things. First, it's a smart hire for the Lakers because he knows how to build a team and how to kind of play with LeBron James. Talking about the past, <laughs> the past two years, talking about like how he signed different dudes for spacing and how he didn't really play Tristan Thompson as much and instead played Kevin Love at the center position. And he knows that like getting LeBron with a bunch of shooters that's proven to that's proven to work. And even though they haven't had success in the finals, I think a significant part of that finals run these past two years was the fact that he kind of just used LeBron well in a position that would favor him. So I think that, for one reason, he understands kind of how to play with LeBron James. And two, it's just, I think it's proven that LeBron really, like, respects Tyron Lue. Yeah. I, so, the reason I was sort of, I sort of laughed before for a second there is that you said, like, okay, like, he, he knows how to, how to sort of run a team with LeBron. And I think more than anything, it's just, like, he lets LeBron do LeBron, you know? Tyron Lue's going to go out, and he's just going to put out four other guys. He's going to spread out the minutes, but he's just going to have LeBron say when he wants to be on the court, when he doesn't. He's just going to tell LeBron, do your thing when we get to the playoffs. And I think that... I, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say... like I don't just, think that Tyron Lue's a bad coach or anything. Like, I, and, I, and I don't think that he deserves to, like, he doesn't coach, he doesn't call plays or anything. Because I think it's more just like he had LeBron on the team, and LeBron was going to call the shots. But I think that that is also sort of a system that has worked... It won them a championship, so, like, you go back to that. I don't think he's just, like, letting LeBron be the head coach, and he's just there no. to make the front office feel good. No, no, I no. think, like, he, he actually does a job. I just I just mean that they there's Tyron Lue and LeBron have already found some sort of balance that I don't think Luke Walton and LeBron ever found of, like, you're going to let LeBron be LeBron, and you're sort of there for, like... I don't know. I, I like, think it's different so than that. It's not even letting LeBron do his thing, because I think a lot of coaches will understand that LeBron is going to do his thing whether of you course. like it or not. Of course. Except if you're David Blatt. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, I think that like there's a certain level of respect that LeBron just already has for Tyron Lue. And if Tyron Lue says, okay, we're going to do this, LeBron James is probably going to be like, okay, I've trusted you in the past. We're doing it. Yeah. I agree with that. Um I, I don't know. We never really talked about Luke Walton being fired because he focused more on Magic Johnson and that already also, also sort of hadn't 
100% happened when we released that episode. But I don't know. I feel like Luke Walton maybe just had a little bit of a scapegoat in the situation because it's like I think he's a pretty good coach. Uh, yeah, and I do. I think I think I think so as well. I, that's why I think a little bit. It's more about the relationship with LeBron that Tyron Lue has more than Luke Walton being a bad coach. But I think also like the Lakers as a team, as a franchise, sort of realize like if you're going into a season with a similar roster, a similar kind of thing as you had the season before, you have to admit that something was wrong if you didn't make the playoffs. And so rather than saying it's our players, it's on LeBron, it's on Rob Polinka, you just Magic Johnson leaves and you and you fire Luke Walton. And so then everybody's like, okay, so that's what it was. And it, like plus LeBron's injury. Well, so you're kind of putting it on Luke Walton a little bit. But then who do you and, put on if you're saying that that's a scapegoat? I'm saying they're using Luke Walton as a scapegoat a little bit. But it, I'm like, is a scapegoat still a scapegoat if it is his fault? No. Not really. But So, so I'm, I'm saying, like, who, is like, it Luke Walton's fault? Like, Well, you're clearly I, saying I it wasn't. I'm, I, I don't even mean it t- wasn't entirely Luke Walton's fault. Because, like, it definitely was partially his fault. But I also think this is just, like, a re- outside of LeBron James, this is just not a very good team. Like... I, I, I guess, but they, they had, like, two more wins than last year. Exactly. That's, like that's that. what I mean. It's like, with, without LeBron, this is a worse team than it was before. The they, had this, they had the same head coach last year. Yeah. But they, they had the same head coach when they won the same amount of games, minus LeBron James. Yeah. So, like, he's proven that, like, he can make an okay team okay. Now he has, so like, then, but then if a that's more true, than okay But if that team. is true, then he is the scapegoat. Because then he's no. a, then he's a good coach, and then you're putting the blame on him for something that's not his okay. fault. Okay, uh, I just want to get. Done. I'm just saying. I'm just saying more than anything. Like, I think they fired Luke Walton more so because they needed someone to blame than like Luke Walton's a bad coach. Okay. Um, and and I also think like about Tyron Lue. I'm not sure that they hired Tyron Lue so much that he's like some great coach and he's one of the best co- coaches in the league. Other than just like, who else are you gonna hire? Like, I'm not sure they had really had any op- other options. I don't know. There are options out there. Yeah. I would have loved to see Could if... Could you find someone? Yeah, but... I would love to see if, like, David Fisdale was on this team. Like, I, I love him in New okay, York. Okay, yeah. You're, <laughs> we're biased, because no, he's, no. like, players coach. Like, we're no, high on him. No, I just... No, I think he's, he's a cool dude. I think LeBron really respects him, too. I feel like that would be sort of the perfect combination of Tyron Lue, boys with LeBron James, and also, like, actually good head coach. Just... All right. That's David Fisdale. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to the Eastern Conference side of the playoff bracket, talking about Bucks versus Celtics and Raptors versus 76ers. Not really like predicting who's going to win or whatever, but just... That was the last episode. Yeah. Go check it out if you missed it. Yeah. But just talking about what have you noticed that's sort of like a theme between these two teams that could actually like change the series? So first talking of all... the Bucks versus Celtics. Yeah. First of all, for me, in Bucks versus Celtics... Whatever the Celtics were doing in Game One on Giannis worked very, very well. They won that game while basically holding Giannis to just not good efficiency and not that many points. I don't remember exactly what it was. I was very like, surprised. That was the that first was the thing time. That, I was, that was the first time I've seen Giannis vulnerable in the past year and a half. I would just, I would just say it was, it was the best team. It was the best job I've seen a team do at slowing him down. Ever. This season, yeah, not ever, because like at one point Giannis was like kind of booty, but like, <laughs> like no disrespect to him, but like yeah. he's just taken okay. such big strides yes. over the past like okay. three years. We understand, but so I just think that whatever they were doing was working fantastic, and and, and I and for I those, said that for those that didn't watch the game, pretty much what I noticed was that they had Al Horford, like you, like you talked about earlier in the episode, 
that they're going to have Al, Al Horford guard Giannis one-on-one, but everyone else on the court is looking at Giannis 100% yeah. of the time. They know where he is, and if he takes like even half a step to go make a move, you have two help defenders, mm-hmm. not even just meeting him at the rim, but coming up to like the free-throw line yeah, area. They were, they were trapping him. because once The thing is, the thing about Giannis is as soon as Giannis sets, sets foot inside the paint, it's game over. Yeah. Either you're fouling him and or... It's a, it's a bucket. If he's and, like, and we'll get to that when we talk about the 22 free throw thing that Kyrie was talking about that. But I also like, so I think the Celtics did the best job that I've seen any other any team do, which was that they just swarmed Giannis so that he couldn't get the inside team. the paint. Yeah. Exactly. So because Giannis is so big and so long, that as soon as he, if you let him take one dribble from the three-point line, it's game over. But if you can stop him and swarm him and don't let him get past your first line of defense and just stop him on the perimeter... From getting inside, then he's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna make it, the game a lot easier. And honestly, but, people are talking about him like with, not even with the MVP, but just like, oh, he's a top two, top three, maybe even the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. I he can't be the best player in the league in my eyes if he, if he can but, just like if you take away that one aspect of his game, he's toast. yes. But and the Celtics also have totally to, did that. You also have to realize that that was sort of a perfect game for the Celtics to do that because while they were swarming wow. that, in a. In a normal game, why the Celt- and why the Bucks have been so successful this season is that in a normal game, Giannis could take one dribble. If all three, four guys run at him, then you've got a 50-40-90 club shooter and Malcolm Brogdon staying in the corner. Okay, but game one, guess Malcolm who was Brogdon's guess who was, guess who was missing? Malcolm Brogdon. So Malcolm the problem Brogdon is like, didn't play. That's what I'm saying. He was out. Uh, he was okay. out in game one. So that's part of the reason that it worked oh, so they well. They meant like missing three. They got they got a little okay. bit lucky in that okay. Malcolm Brogdon was out. They didn't you're saying, a, you're saying, didn't have a great you're saying they got clapped by 30 because Malcolm Brogdon wasn't there to shoot no, threes? No, I'm not saying that's exactly why, but I'm saying in normal circumstances. Okay. Well, that, well, that, well, that defensive strategy works perfectly on Giannis. If the Bucks this shoot team above is, average in that game, they're not winning that game. They're not. Because I, the Celtics then, did such a good job. They, then, they would then, swarm okay, Giannis, then, and then they, would, they have long athletic defenders to where they can get back me, in time. Then tell me if, if they don't shoot above average that game. They don't win. They don't. Then tell me how they won, like... How they have the best record in the league? Tell me how they they're sixty one. The Celtics are really good at defense with Brad. Tell Stevens me how they're up two one in the series if that if they if shooting an above average Be, in that game they would The Celtics win. just haven't played well the past game. They it's want just, the the, Celt, the Celtics lost by thirty in game three. I'm telling you, bro. If you you either you have to pick your poison with this with this Bucks team. It takes a team to stop Giannis. So if you guard Giannis and you do that thing where you swarm him on the perimeter and they have an above average shooting night where their guys are shooting lights out, it's game over. They either either they're going to light you up from the three point line or they or Giannis is going to light you up inside. In most nights, it's going to be pick your poison. Now they just had a they just had a perfect game where they had a couple shooters who were out. They had a couple shooters who were having off nights, and Giannis could get nothing going because that was the entire defensive strategy. And that's how the Bucks lose by thirty. But that's a lot of things that have to go wrong for this Bucks team to lose one game out of three. That's why the Bucks are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I honestly, are, are going to are going to the finals. Sorry, they're winning. The finals. That's why they're going to win the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're going to the finals. Okay, I don't know about that. one. I've been saying I, it, bro. I, I had I had them win this series, and, and I still do. But I don't have them going to the finals, which, honestly, that seems like a pretty good, good transition to the other half. Who they're going to be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals? Is it going to be the Raptors or is it going to be the 76ers? We're not here to answer that. We're here to talk about the first three games of the series. I'm tight, man. Okay, I have, <laughs> I, I have the Raptors in the finals, and just, they're like... Well, I told you the Bucks were going to be in the finals. They're... Uh, okay, I don't want to speak so... Like, I don't want to get okay, cocky they, now, but... They're, they're pulling... 
a Toronto Raptors for the past four years. I don't know how I didn't see this coming. But that's not on Kawhi. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you. It's not on Kawhi. It's, we all knew we not, all knew Kawhi was going to be g- it's, it's great. Not. The but Kyle Lowry, man. Kyle Lowry has scored bro. through three games. He's Kyle the worst Lowry, contract in the league. Kyle Lowry has scored a total, a total through three games in this playoff series. Kyle Lowry has scored 36 points. Not 36 points in one game. Not 36 points per game. 36 points total. That is 12 points per game across three games. This is your all-star? This is the guy you're playing. You're paying $35 million a year? Worst. This is your starting point guard? Bench that man. Worst contract Bench in the league. Bench that man. Okay. Start Jeremy Lin, bro. Start, Start Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin got a, got a DNP in game two when they lost. I can't believe it. How are you going to go out there and play <laughs> Kyle Lowry? Averaging <laughs> 12 points a game, chucking up 20 shots, and Jeremy Lin's getting a DNP. Let me know. know, bro. Okay, I also I want to focus on this game too. Okay, Kyle, Kyle Kyle Lowry's good on defense though. All right, I, I, I'm exaggerating a little bit. No, but okay, I want to talk about this game too, man. I'm so mad. Like, <laughs> oh my god, this game too. For reference, the 76ers won in Toronto, 94 to 89. Let's go. Which just doesn't happen anymore. Teams score over 100 points in every single game. These this is this is what happened in this game. And you think that the Raptors did a good job against the 76ers. Tobias Harris scored 9 points on 3 of 11 shooting. Joel Embiid scored 12 points on 2 of 7 shooting in 32 minutes. Keep in mind, this is a this is a 76ers win. That's the context. Yes. Ben Simmons scored 6 points in the entire game while playing 44 minutes. He scored 6 points. How are you gonna How are you gonna lose the game when and, those Celtics have that kind of? And night? JJ Redick only the, their other starter besides Jimmy Butler only scored eleven points. Wow, what was Jimmy's game like? And he he shot for two for eight from three. What was Jimmy's game? like? Uh, he scored thirty. <laughs> like, yeah. come like, what? Yeah, I mean you gotta capitalize on that. Yeah, you got that team got so if, many if four people. Four of their five really yeah. good starters have horrible games from the field and just do not play well. You cannot afford to lose that game, Toronto. Man, I'm, t- you I'm cannot, telling you. I, I don't care if Jimmy Butler scored, like, 30 points. The team only scored 94 points when they have one of the best offenses in the league. This is why Kawhi is gone, bro. Really? This is why Kawhi is gone. It's literally, it's just him. And, and, and Spicy P. And Spicy P. We, but they need him. Spicy P has scored a total of 70 points this series. Kawhi scored a total of 113. Here. Here. My man. I, I, I hate to cut you off, but this series... Kawhi Leonard has scored 113 points on 63 shoot, 63% shooting through mm. Game Three. The rest of the Toronto Raptors roster, <laughs> bro, has, it's gonna be 20%. Has, has, has scored 179 <laughs> points, just like 66 points more on 35% shooting. Bro, that's you're not gonna win like that. Now. Shout out to Pascal Siakam. He's the only other Raptors player who's been half decent. And we thought we thought Marcus Saul. I was like, I wasn't expecting Marcus Saul to come in here and be like elite post scorer. But he's former defensive player of the year. I was like, all right, at least he's gonna. They just traded for him to to lock up Joel Embiid. My guy Joel Embiid scored thirty three points and had like six blocks in a game or whatever. I mean, he did have that twelve point game, which they lost. They, but I mean, it doesn't I'm matter. Not over. I'm not it doesn't matter over. if Joel Embiid only scores over. twelve points if you lose that game, bro. And so okay, I'm going back to this game too. This, I don't care. This is why this is why Kawhi's gone. Kawhi's going to Kawhi's going to the Clippers. He's gonna be playing with uh 
Landry Shamit, Shea Gildas Alexander, Montrez Harrell, Lou Will. And honestly, That's going to be an exciting team, yeah, bro. But it's already Pascal, done. It's Pascal already Siakam done. Pascal is good. Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's looking around. In this game two game where they where they hold the 76ers to 94 points, you have, you have Kawhi Leonard dropping 35 points, shooting above 50% from the field with seven rebounds and six assists. You have Pascal Siakam playing really well, scoring 21 points. Give it that, like, he didn't shoot that efficiently from the field, but it's fine. Kawhi, uh, Kyle Lowry, 20 points per game. Are tw- 20 points in this game. Those are th- your three best players having three good games, above average games. The rest of the roster, let's say, the rest of the roster scored uh, 13 points combined. Yeah, the series is over. They scored, five, they scored five bench points. 76ers are winning game four because Pascal Siakam is doubtful. They scored five bench points in an NBA game. So the series is over. In a playoff game. Kawhi's gone. Kawhi's top three I, player honestly, in the no, NBA. I still have faith in the Raptors. We're, we're like not here to make sure predict- predictions, but like... I could totally see, I could see them coming back if they win this upcoming game. I have them winning. Kawhi, you think Kawhi's top three player in the NBA? No. LeBron, KD, Kawhi. No. Who's going over him? Not Curry. Don't even try to tell me Curry. That <laughs> we'll man is that. that man. <laughs> we'll get to that. Don't even try. Don't even try. <laughs> we'll get to that. Harden? I don't know. Giannis. Okay. I, I, okay. Like, it's, a, it's an argument. Okay, but I think we'll I, I might go with Kawhi. Okay. Hopefully, Raptors maybe to the finals if they can get out of the series okay all right let's, all right. let's talk about curry though okay let's talk about <laughs> wardell Stephen curry and the warriors go, talking about the western conference talking about the two series first houston versus golden state then blazers nuggets mm-hmm. okay let's talk about the warrior series real quick okay i want to i want to cover a few things i want to first cover i want to cover curry because w- keep in mind we watched last night Stephen curry Miss a wide open dunk at the end of the game that maybe could have brought them back. So that's just that's what's in our stomachs right now. I mean, they were they were down five. I'm not sure that was going to really win them the game. But when you add up that missed dunk and he missed a layup like a minute before, like he was just he's just all over the okay. place, man. I want to talk. And about he also he also can't even stay on the court because he's in foul trouble every single every single game. game. He's, he's I don't my know favorite player in the up. league. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm he in cannot right stay now. in the game. He can't. It's like okay. It's bad. Here's my theory. I, I think theory? I said this I, I said this I was sort of theorizing like back like last year too but this sort of like really drove it home and now people actually listen to this no now people aren't gonna be like you're crazy but I really think that the Warriors signing Kevin Durant as great as that was and is that that definitely made them a better team but it really hurt Steph Curry's confidence and swagger on the court bro I said it in the first half I was just sitting there with my dad and Steph Curry caught the ball in the corner, wide open, players closing out on him. He stands there, looks at the basket, decides if he's going to shoot or not. Stands there for like a second. Then he pump fakes. And I was like, okay, so he's going to pump fake, he's going to drive around. No, he pump fakes, brings the ball back down, then shoots it. A full like three seconds after you caught the ball in the yeah, corner. that sounds like... Steph Curry from two years ago, unanimous, unanimous MVP Steph Curry, just off two finals in a row or whatever... He's he's shooting that no hesitation. That's what I was like me in sixth grade, just having no confidence. <laughs> just like eh. that's bad. And honestly, it, it looks like he's a sixth grader okay. out there. Sometimes. I dis- I disagree. Like, no confidence. I disagree. So good. Yeah, I I I disagree in the fact that I don't think he's lost his swagger because I think that whenever he or Katie or Clay does something awesome, you see him just like shimming yeah. around. You see him just doing all this stuff. So I don't think he's lost the Steph Curry confidence that makes some people hate him. And that makes me love him. But 
I do think just the you can't t you can't tell me there's not something off. Though. I feel like the the word is hunger. I feel like the word is hunger to kind of just have big games in that he thinks that in the back of his mind he's like, okay, we're down by two. I have Kevin Durant on my roster. Probably gonna go to him. Yeah. But when like two years ago, three years ago, you have Curry. Like even though whatever he didn't have a good finals performance one year, he's like. He's like, give me this. I'm going to go to work because yeah. I'm the second best player in the league. And then I'm just going to drill a three in your face and you can't do anything about it. And I, and I think, I said it at the beginning of the season that, this, that, I'm, that I'm upset that this this isn't looked at as Kevin Durant's team because Kevin Durant is the best player on the team. Kevin Durant is the second best player in the league. And it should be looked at as Kevin Durant's team, even though it never will be. But that's a different story. That's what he's going to next this offseason. Shout out. But, yeah, also just... Yeah, it, it but, seems like he's not hungry for the moment anymore. Yeah, yeah. really makes me a little sad. But it just, like, I think that when Kevin Durant first came, Steph Curry was being very passive on purpose, trying to give Kevin Durant the ball, trying to welcome him into the franchise. But since then, he's never really picked it back up and gotten it back to his MVP form. Yeah, I just want to leave... As great as he's looked at certain moments. I want to leave, like, this sort of idea of Steph Curry not being hungry for big moments anymore. Yeah. Stephen Curry in the fourth quarter in overtime of last night's game, Game 3 of the semifinals 0 for 6 from the field 0 points 0 rebounds 0 assist 0 steals 0 blocks 1 turnover 5 fouls just in fourth quarter and overtime 5 fouls that's a problem you're telling me that you're relying on this man to carry your team i mean you're relying on Kevin Durant but this is this is your this is your former unanimous mvp right here and he's doing this come on steph yeah you got to step it up i'm a little sad Anyways, I honestly okay, okay. Here's one last thing. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like Kevin Steph Curry is honestly just like step back and is turning into like an average second option out of nowhere, like not totally, but like just in that fourth quarter alone, he just like yeah. he looks like he's gone. It, like he doesn't, he's not. If you would never, if you would never watch Steph Curry or didn't know anything about him from past years, and we're just watching him in this playoffs, you'd be like, you wouldn't think of him as like an MVP. It would be Kevin Durant's team. Kevin Durant's the star. And Steph Curry's like that second option. It doesn't seem like they're kind of like, which is terrible, equals or like partners in crime. It does. It seems like Steph Curry's been playing a step below what we expect from him. Yeah. Just the just this playoffs. At, yeah. The I was other thing really I want to talk about with this Warriors Rocket series is the whole fouling situation. Mm -hmm. Specifically in Game One, you're talking about there was a lot of controversy about James Harden shooting a jump shot, his step back three. And Clay Thompson specifically, three times I counted, not giving him room to land. We, uh, the NBA has uh, made significant strides in this, trying to protect the shooter from coming down on someone's foot and rolling his ankle, as we saw in 2015 with Kawhi Leonard, and 2016, Zaza, yeah. and Zaza Pachulia. And so this is this has become a rule. This is arguably how James Harden gets some of his foul calls, but it's a legitimate rule because you don't want players taking jump shots and coming down on someone's foot. And... This sparked a lot of controversy, and I personally, I lie toward favor of the Rockets with yes, this argument. I do too. Because, but I'm not all the way. Because on that last shot, talking about game one, James Harden took a step back, and he shot, and th the prior shots throughout that game, he wouldn't really kick out his legs. He would kick out his legs a little bit in order to get energy on a shot, and that's normal. That's allowed. That's legal. And Clay Thompson would come down on his foot, and he would fall down, and it should have been called a foul, but it wasn't. I have two problems with the final possession of this game. 
First, he shouldn't have been looking for that call because it wasn't being called all game. As a hooper, you got to know that. It's just, yeah. it's a normal thing. You play with the refs even if they're not right. Yeah. You have to kind of adapt to them, and you can't... This is kind of just rock, like Rockets basketball coming to bite them in the ass. Like You live by three, die by the three. Live, live by, by the ref. Step back, ref, foul call, you're going to die by it. Yeah. Second thing, James Harden kicked out his legs all the way. He was clearly looking for a foul. And if you see... Just on the last one? Yeah, just on the last one. If, if you see where he takes off and where his legs reach when Draymond makes contact with him, it's kind of laughable but that I they're think, looking for a foul call. Yeah. I think that it's that in that situation, I don't, I'd have to like look at the clip, clip like slow motion, but it's probably more important in that situation, even more so than where he's kicking out of where Draymond steps. Because if Draymond steps into where he took off from, then it's he a didn't. foul. Yeah. He did then, then, then it's that. Then that's not a foul call. But yeah, and just but the Clay Thompson one's definitely there. Yeah, there yeah. was three on Clay Thompson, like one or two on Draymond. Yeah, and, and they were questionable. That's where I like. I think like the, throughout the game, it was a foul. That last possession, come on, James Harden, it it's, wasn't. And even if it was, you can't rely on that in the final yeah. seconds. And, and I, I think that there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a thing here of like, that's James Harden style of play. That's his bread and butter. Like, of course he's going to go to that. But what you said about like. And, uh, and part of the thing is, like, also, that's the way that's been called all season. That's what he's relied on for the last, like, three years. So it's a little bit it's a little bit much to be like, okay, now you have to, in the heat of the moment, we need to get a shot off. If they can defend you like that, you're at a serious disadvantage. Even though they called it consistently the entire game, and you probably shouldn't be looking for that because, like, so you, man, know a, you know they're not going to call it. You know they're not going to call it. As a leader, you still, have to, you still have to be accountable for that. Yeah. It, as a top four, five player in the league, you have to be able to do that. And, and, and the play. truth is, the truth is, the NBA wrote a report where they went back in and basically said that the refs got like all those calls wrong, and that Steph Curry fouled twice in the last like five minutes or something. Classic Steph Curry. So he should have. So he should have fouled out two different times because he had five yeah. fouls like the entire fourth quarter. Steph. But instead, <laughs> Steph Curry hit the game winner. Um. So. I do think the Rockets should be up 2-1 right now as they're down 2-1. Yeah. But at the same time... because That game was theirs to win. Because whether you... whether, I mean, like, whether that's the... You just have to... Like, that's the way... The way... If the game was called the way the game was supposed to be called, those three would have been fouls. Now, could then the Warriors have played differently and been looking for those same calls? Yes. You never really know. And then the whole thing of the game is going to change. You can't just say, now they would have won because you called those. But yeah, it, nothing happens in a vacuum. Steph Curry said, or sorry, James Harden said, we just want a fair chance to win this game, and we, like, we weren't given that in this game. And I do kind of agree with that, that that wasn't, not calling those doesn't really give them a fair chance because the rules literally say this is how it said. And, yeah. and the NBA literally went in and corrected that. Okay, one last thing that's really bugging me with this series, whatever some, and like throughout the entire series, all across the NBA, mm-hmm. if someone gets a foul call, it can be minor. Now everyone's like, looks at the ref like they have three yeah. Like They're like, yeah. oh my I god, know. I can't believe you just called that. Like, like I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm on. a little bit tired of like, like come on. It's after every game. It's like the refs, the refs are trash. No, not even after every game. It's after every foul call. It can be. Yeah, a, yeah. It can be a reach. No, but I just, I just mean like fans on Twitter and stuff. Like it's like, no, no, I'm talking about and players. it's like, and it's like, it feels like every NBA game now. It's like you just hear in the background, ref, you suck. Ref, yeah, you know, that's you're like facts. it's like just shut up. Like no one wants to hear that. Yeah, that's facts. And just being a sore loser. Um, okay, talking about we got the, one more series yeah, to go. Blazers Nuggets. Now, I I regret a little bit, but I stayed up. Till two, watching the quadruple overtime do, game. Do you regret that? 
I do a little bit. It was just... Really? I, I wish I stayed up. It was like... I got so it was like I put it on. I, I got a notification on my phone, like close game alert. Like as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm about to go about to go to sleep. It was like twelve o'clock, and there's like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. In the and fourth so like, quarter, so I go down. I'm like, okay, this game's gonna be over at like twelve thirty, and like then I'll go to sleep and we're, we're gonna be chilling. But it went to overtime, and then it was like, oh shoot, this is about to go to oh double overtime. I was like, I can't go to sleep now. It's about <laughs> to be a double overtime. And so I stay up and I watch double overtime. And then it's going to triple overtime. Like, well, I definitely can't go to sleep now. And then it goes to quadruple. I'm like, oh my god. Were you like almost mad? Yeah. <laughs> Someone just hit a shot and we'd all go to sleep. <laughs> and so that's the, all the tweets that were going viral. And so I was just like, I was like half asleep on the couch. I was like not even really paying attention anymore, but I had to stay up because you never what, know. What time was it? It was two. It was like 2, 2.30 by the time it ended Bro. or something like that. And it was just like, That's tough. with every overtime, yeah. it was like the stakes were higher and higher. And so it was like, you had to stay up more and more, even though you really didn't want to. So I kind of regret it. Because in the end, it was like Rodney Hood that went off, and yeah, I was, he was the only that, I was, was really, the only one that wasn't cause, tired. Because I missed I missed the first Damian Lillard game winner because that one was at like one or one thirty. I was up, and so yeah. I missed that. And so I was like, I can't miss a quadruple <laughs> overtime Damian Lillard game winner. But Dame was kind of trash that whole overtime in fourth quarter. Damian Lillard was like he had some thing where he like airballed a layup like off a steal. CJ was the one. CJ was the one that stepped up. CJ McCollum was huge. He's been different in these playoffs, and it was it was crazy. You can go watch, and that basically like, it was kind of a, it was very interesting because I kind of forget everything that happened, but like, <laughs> every play it felt like every play from like the last like thirty minutes of that like of game time of that game was like a clutch play because it yeah. was like five minutes of overtime and it was like that could be the decide it felt every five minutes was crunch time yeah even though like it went on for a lot longer than that just because like you were playing to tie it back up or whatever yeah. so it was it was interesting it was a lot of fun to watch um and basically i, I was question. watching Jokic, bro that man was <laughs> winded <laughs> that man he it, keep in mind an nba game is 48 minutes he played like 60 65 he minutes played, that he game he played 65 minutes he played a the, full hour the most Played in a playoff game since 1953. I mean, it was crazy. That man, I swear, he always looks like the most unathletic player in the <laughs> league when he's out there. That night, yeah. he was like, he could barely move up and down the court. The whole, the whole game slowed down so much, I feel I, like. I saw a oh. meme, and it was like Jokic after playing the full 65 <laughs> minutes. And it was like the tall, skinny white dude from Spire who plays with Lamella Ball. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was... It was a fun game, though. It was exciting. And, it, and when it finally ended, it was like, thank God. But <laughs> but Rodney Hood came up big, and it was sort of like, well, why didn't you think of that earlier? Like, it was like everybody was so tired, and all of a sudden, Rodney Hood yeah, Rod- played like 25 minutes <laughs> that game, and he comes out of the court yeah, and hits the game winner. And I've you're been like, in that situation. Couldn't, like, you so- thought, couldn't you have thought of that in the first <laughs> overtime? It was yeah. it was crazy. But I, I've been in moments where that, where it's like, there's one dude with fresh legs, and it's just, it's just like he's the most athletic dude you've ever seen because yeah. everyone else is just moving so slowly. Uh-huh. He's just like he's running in transition too because no one wants to get back. It, yeah, personally, wh- when I like I woke up the next morning, I'm like, oh my god, what just happened? Then, <laughs> then also, <laughs> my mind went to, are the Nuggets morally defeated? You gotta be a little bit. Because and also, it got to the point by the end of it, if it was like, it lasted so long that it was like less than two days at that point until their next game. <laughs> like it like it went it went like a full two hours longer than it was supposed to. So it was like, 
it was like less, less than, than two. Yeah, hours. yeah. It was like it got to like forty three hours until their next game, and so it was eating into like. Then you think about okay, so that game ended at two. Now that's Eastern time, so it's earlier. Wherever. Yeah, but now but, one the Blazers are set to go up three one if they can win at home. Yeah. Also, first of all, do you think that the crowd factored into this? Because like, how would so much playing at home seems so much more important when you're going into single, double, triple, and fourth overtimes when you're playing at home. Yeah, so I feel like one that kind of contributes to the Nuggets maybe feeling morally defeated. Yeah, I, I would say I was going to say that. Yeah. You know, like if you if you're there with your home crowd, there's a little bit of like we got to do it for them. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas, like, I think it's when you're going to fourth overtime, you just played 65 minutes. If you're Jokic and you're, and you're surrounded by Trailblazers fans, like, shouting at you, like, yeah. you're going to be a little bit more like, okay, like, 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 just more willing to give up, you know? Yeah. So, so, my mind went immediately to, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm feeling a little bit how the Cavs and LeBron felt after Game One of the Finals, where Jr. forgot the score. You see how, like, no, like, like, seriously, going back to that game in the finals, you see J.R. Smith forgot to score. Mm-hmm. The Cavs, like LeBron had one of his weakest months of his career. He wasn't really the best leader. Just everyone was kind of destroyed mentally because this was going to be their one chance. And it kind of just, the overtime sucked. They lost by like 15 in overtime. That never happens. And it just carried over for the rest of the series saying, yeah. oh, that was our game to win. We can't do it anymore. I totally feel like that could definitely happen with the Nuggets. Especially just because they're a young an inexperienced group, yeah. you know, like that Lakers or that that Cleveland team is also a lot older and more experienced. They'd already won a championship. This is a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year. I mean, no. Then again, I could just because like that Cleveland team had been playing together for like forty games. That's also true. Yeah, but um, I'm excited for the rest of the series. Yeah, so me too. I'm I'm excited to see Damian Lillard in the Western Conference Finals <laughs> beating Suckers I mean, ass. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, are you are you, are you gonna are you gonna I stick with it? it? Are you gonna stick with it? Them going beating, to the finals? No, beating Steph Curry. What you can't you can't switch up anymore. You can't switch up. You, okay. can't, you, can't, you can't you can't you can't not my, trust Damian Lillard. Then be like, I shouldn't trust Damian Lillard anymore. I don't know. Cause I already did that. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't me. know. Yeah, I don't know. Man. That that never happened. <laughs> We're forgetting about that. No, but I'm, I'm I don't know what to do if my two favorite players go against each other. Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry. Who do I go for? I feel like you gotta go with Dame um, just because he's the underdog. He's the underdog, yeah, maybe, and also just because like Blazers in six, forever, <laughs> in any series ever. He wrote that pre, er, pre- yeah podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, subscribe on, uh, follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. If you're if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe and leave a like. That'd be a uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flutter. And see you next time. Peace.